Welcome to Olim in Tel Aviv. My name is Ariel. This is my cousin Micha. Join us as we discuss different topics from fatherhood to politics as immigrants in this quirky and amazing country. Hey, Micha. Hi, how are you? Doing well. It's been a, it's been a while. It kind of took a little bit of a hiatus during the Chagim. Exactly. Uh, happens to the best of us. It's been crazy times. Yes. It's like the whole country kind of uh, shuts down for a month. More this, so. Yeah. It's more so. I don't know. It feels like two. <laughs> At least to me. Since yeah. summer, somehow, everyone's expecting holidays, so nothing has happened, and then they happen for a month, and then, you know. Right. So There's a too... rabbi in high school who said that the year ends, like, he's talking about after the Chagim, he says the year ends by Thanksgiving. Because then it's Thanksgiving, and then it's the the holidays, New Year's, and then it's the it was yeshiva break, and then this holiday, that holiday. The next thing you know, it's the summer again, and the year's over. Exactly. And somehow but, uh, it feels like it. But uh, we actually find ourselves back into the real world with some very, I guess, I guess exciting uh, events coming up in a few weeks, which is the elections. It's actually in one week, right? And it's it's uh, in one week. It's on the first of November. Oh my God. So it's a week and then some, but. Uh, mm. And yes, it is super exciting. I mean, I'm always excited for elections, even though I would, you know, personally love to see uh, having a full term of government uh, as our uh, well regime, Israeli regime, uh, I guess it's uh, supposed to be four years, but it's not, hasn't been in a while. <laughs> right. In other words, you'd be happier if it, this wasn't fifth election in the same cycle. In, in, yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, <laughs> Yet, you know, in a way, it's the will of the people. If you consider the, well, members of Knesset, the representatives of the people, then, you know, it's the will of the people. Uh, so here we are again, uh, going through the same hoops with more or less the same players. So is it more or less the same players? So it's the biggest difference, I mean, what I would like to talk about today is that I... My news feed, as I, I think I mentioned before to you, was this very uh, bare, you know, as far as elections is concerned. I haven't really seen much of it. It's kind of creeping up on me, maybe because I wasn't really reading the news so much because of the Chagim and everything like that. But um, the only the, one of the major differences I see, obviously, is that Bennett is no longer playing politics. Right. At least this not round. This this round is not. He's not. Is his party around? No. So that everyone in his party is probably... Uh, they moved back to where they came from. Yes. Or then, left politics uh, for this round. And then the other one I saw was the person I voted for last time was uh, Gidon Sar, And I believe his party is also not around this time. Uh, but I'm not sure where he's sitting or <laughs> where he went. So, yeah, basically we have... Uh... I think it really comes back down to, you know, the Likud. Right. We have that. Uh, have to name it first, I assume, because it is the biggest party in Israel. And it will be so again. Right. Um, the question, again, will be the magic number of 61 seats in the Knesset, in the coalition. Hmm. Um, it's, it's always this magic number. It has been now for the last, well, many, many rounds. You do need 61, but obviously it doesn't make for a very stable coalition if uh, everyone has to vote all the time in the same direction in order for anything to pass, right? So you would rather have a coalition that includes more than the 61, 61 uh, uh, Knesset members. Uh, Likud will go again and try again to go with uh, the Orthodox parties. Um, United Torah uh, Shas. and Shas, right? Mostly. Um, and the other more national religious parties, like uh, uh, how do they call themselves today? I don't even know. Jewish Home and Smutrich uh, and, and uh, Bengvir uh, types of parties. Um, even though I must say that the Ultra Orthodox parties at least in their history, went anyway, right? left, right, center. As long as they could be part of the coalition, they used to be part of it. Uh, one of the reasons they have this quite prominent, uh, I think, position within the Israeli system, uh, regardless of their 
relatively small size at least used to be right i think today it's around 13 percent uh, of the population so that's interesting i didn't realize that so in the past when you well, had they went a... with Perez, they went with barack they went to uh, no, no, they so went no. yeah. okay i didn't realize that yeah and it makes complete sense why wouldn't you right they would always stand on their feet for the things that were important to them and their constituencies and the rest was you know, not relevant so uh, and they usually did get what they needed because they were always exactly 10 votes this way or that way. Um, this time around, probably even a little more, right? I mean, probably around 13 or 14 seats. Makes a big difference. Um, Netanyahu managed to include them automatically somehow in his camp because uh, over the past couple of years painted everything that's not Likud as anti-religious. Right. I believe that uh, Likud or Bibi um, explicitly said something to the effect of being part of the left is worse than protecting rapists. Well, there's a lot of rhetoric that goes into everyone else is a traitor, but <laughs> us. Um, and, and also it's at times in a bad way, right? Uh, yeah. And times even in a way that led to the assassination of Rabin. Right, uh, it's not a new thing. Right, um, that's over three. That's three decades by now, right? Almost. Um, but so this time around, we go again. Netanyahu is back in uh, leadership of Likud, or still in there, uh, regardless of the trials that are going on, which I personally don't have an issue with. I think you know everyone is innocent until a court of law has. Well, so proven uh, guilty. Proven guilty. Um, on a, that's from a legal standpoint. From a moral standpoint, I think the Likud party has to make up their own mind, and they did. Right. So I find it interesting that. Yeah, I think I definitely. Again, I really didn't look at the issues this time around, but for me, the personalities involved seem to weigh more than the actual parties and their stances. There is almost no issue about stances this right. time and or last time around, by the way. Okay, so I, I believe the little that I did read, I guess, right. or someone told me the other, Aviva told me the other day that um, Lapid said that he would be willing to sit with the Likud government as long as Bibi's not sitting. That's what he said last time around as well. And oh, that's he did. the same okay. thing that uh, almost every party said. Right. But I think this time around, there there's a few more characters who are appear a little bit um let's say unhinged i don't know what the right word is <laughs> mainly ben Gvir has come out as a this kind of very far right wild card um which is very interesting to me that people find uh, people support him especially in the religious community hmm. not obviously i can't speak for the whole religious community but as a someone who identifies as observant um I feel like a lot of things he does is very like anti-religious or mm -hmm. like, as we would call Isare de Oraita, the Farhesia, which is the Aramaic term for like violating biblical prohibitions in a public way, right. which is very weird for him to represent a religious community when that is also going on. It's also mm -hmm. a criminal record and things like that. I mean, there's a lot of like criteria that we traditionally that we have. I'm just trying to get into mine as yeah. his voter base um you know we have criteria for who this type of person should be and if someone has a criminal record i don't know what the criminal record's for i'll be honest um and didn't really serve in saha and uh all these other things it's just it's also the, the recent news of him pulling out a handgun at a mm. protest like that's yeah. that's really um shocking i think it is in israel that's uh, it's particularly shocking and it was shocking um isn't netanyahu obviously is trying to pull from his end right right he's trying a... to pull him from the right because from the left he can't really pull there is much to pull anymore everything he could have done with uh, he did uh, the soft soft right or center right um many went back and the others there are either with lapid or with guns what if you went back, went back Likud? Yeah, you know, people that voted with Bennett, a good amount went back to the Likud because that's where they came from in the first place. Right. Um, 
Um, so, and the left has a different issue, which is really the issue of will Meretz and or Avodah actually pass a threshold of 3.25, right? It's Avodah. Uh, Meretz is really on the brink. Um, has been also last time around, but they made it. Avodah as well. Uh, this time, at least with the polls, it doesn't look great. They might do it. They might not. Depends how much merits polls and how much voters on the right end of the of the Avodah say, you know what, I'm going to vote Lapid Gantz yeah. uh, or even Lieberman. So where is uh, Gantz now? Oh, let's let's finish yeah. this one. No, you know it's interesting. I think uh, Gantz obviously has not stated it in this way, but my assumption is that he would go with Netanyahu as well. He would if he gets the prominent places See. here and maybe even a promise of rotation which obviously is a great promise but rotations rarely work well like yeah. we have seen especially with them too specifically yeah well <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> very few have managed right Perez did it once um would you say that Bennett Lapid did it well they would have done it if you know uh, some people wouldn't have pulled out on the fringes of this coalition right um so they were actually on track to do it uh, because neither of them had really incentive not to do it. Uh, with Netanyahu, it's very different. Right, of course. He has every incentive not to do it if he if he gets into that position in the first place, which he obviously doesn't want to. He, he still believes, and the polls are as tight as they were, I guess, the last times around, uh, just around the 61, 59, 61, depending on the voter turnout. Most will say the more Arabs go vote, the less chance they could have of actually getting 61, um, which holds true. And the Arab sector has an issue because this time around, they really have not managed to get a joint really list together. So um, at least not all of the parties. So they will lose some and how's, people won't go vote. How's the support for the Ram party? Well, you know, it's a, it's a question. Uh, I think they won't make it. Really? So okay. 3.25 is a... Right. Is as high as I think you can go in Israel. Personally, I think, in one way, I think it's too high. On the other hand, it gives some sort of assumed stability to the Knesset, which obviously didn't over the last decade, I guess. Um, the, that was the entire idea, not to have that many small parties. right? But you see, you still have one enough. And secondly, uh, you have to represent the very various and different kinds of Israeli societies uh, we have a part of society. Do you uh, think it's, it's interesting? Like, cause I find in America, it's so obviously I think two party system and the bifurcating the, the states in hmm. many ways, including culturally, it's just like a, it's crazy to see the country as united as is considered united. I think many people think it's not, there was actually a recent poll that say 9% of Americans think that democracy is working. Well, so nine, 9%. Yes. Okay um which is quite frightening that being said the the nuance of issues become it's very interesting like things become very black and white in those cases mm. and maybe this is some credit to the israeli voter where there is more nuance and yeah there all, is there's maybe there's more issues that are important to people that are getting represented maybe there's something here that you have so many different parties that need to work together You'd, it'd be interesting if there were some like baseline beliefs and then some parties that exist for specific ideas. And I think they, they are baseline together. ideas in Israel, right? I mean, people... Right. I mean, security is a big one. Security is one. I think there's a fair baseline about education right. and freedom of religion in this country. I think there are none issues here, right? Uh, at least freedom of religion. You know, to exercise your religion in the way you want to exercise it. Oh, well, so you're saying ba a baseline freedom. I'm talking about like baseline like issues that there's like a baseline stance from the right or the left. I oh, know you don't really have that. Maybe it's too if you consider the left and maybe you and Shomron would say whether it is part of Israel proper or not, that would that might be a divide. But then again, then you would probably put the Ashatid on the right end of the spectrum because, I mean, 
Yeah, but he clearly believes that Jerusalem is a united city. Right. And clearly believes that Yehud and Shamron are part of Israel, that they are might be part of a negotiation for peace with the Palestinians. That's something else. It doesn't neglect the point that they are part of Israel. Right. Um, so is, is he right? It's too nuanced. I think, yeah, it is, right, isn't it? There's no real right. There's no left anymore, so there has to be a, what, a new well, right. But the new right, obviously... But I'm sorry, a, the new left. There, there is a... There is, there, yeah, there has to be a new realization of the left in Israel. That's very true. I think the Avodah has to recreate itself yeah. in more relevant times. The Meretz, Meretz still is a party that represents more of a classical leftist uh, stance in regards to human rights and uh, uh, maybe secularism, um, non-violence, civil rights, these kind of things that are much more important to the left than they used to be to the right and in Israeli space. So funny because you say those terms, I'm like, oh yeah, those are all very important. But I definitely not a <laughs> don't look, yeah. No, they say no. That, for instance, camp. that you have to as a, as a Jew in Israel, yeah, you have to more or less get married to the rabbanut. Yeah, I find problematic. Right. So actually, it's the left that you know tries to push civil marriage because they feel that is has to be the norm. And if then you want to have religious freedom and you know do a chuppah or do a Muslim ceremony or a Christian ceremony, you do it. But you know there has to be civil marriage the separation of church, state and state. And church and state is an issue of the left right not of the right um even though it very clearly impacts personal freedoms which which you might have you know think about that conservatives especially in american terms right. probably say that's something that is very on the right end right personal freedoms to exercise the you know your, your um, right not to be religious um Oh, and that is actually a really interesting um, thing that came out recently. I believe Reform Judaism or mm-hmm. a Reform Jewish synagogue or group, I don't know exactly who did it, okay. um, came out in the U.S. and said that the right to safe abortion is part of their religious observance. The right to safe abortion. Yeah. Okay, interesting. So it's making a religious freedom of religion case for abortion, like not for abortion, but yeah. for the in, access in, to in, abortion. In favor of access to abortion. I think it's a brilliant play, but uh, we'll see what happens. Okay. With yeah. They, now they have to make the case, but yeah, it's um, it's actually an interesting angle, right? It's, like a, it. it's very interesting because it, you, it's actually I, what I find interesting is how, for some reason, the Orthodox community. Um, has taken this black or white stance on abortion. Obviously, this is a general mm. statement. Um, the Christian religious belief, as far as I'm aware, is very black and white on mm. abortion. As opposed, I would say in, in Judaism, especially in the Talmud, it's not. It's, it's definitely not anti-abortion. There are many cases where it actually allows for abortion. It's a very nuanced discussion. And so this whole idea that we're religious, and so therefore anti-abortion right. is a very pro-life i guess it's the the correct terminology for it but okay. it's very it's very weird right it's very muddled to me that like people could take these political things which are as you know the rambam would have put it based in an imaginary societally created reality as opposed to looking at the legal truth right or so you know it's, it's interesting and, and in that sense i think also that at least in israel since you have religious parties right they do have i think uh, to be more nuanced also in a way because if they are if they have the right leadership and that's what they you know i think it is a mistake for the religious parties to go straight out say okay we're only going to support this party or this person as uh, prime minister because they only stand to lose because if they can go either way they will always win right and this way, like the last time around, instead of uh, they could have gone with Lapid and uh, Bennett, uh, and it would have then probably been without the Arab parties, right? Um, and they could have come to some kind of arrangement. And they did have more votes than Avigdor Victor, uh, Avigdor Lieberman had in total. So they would have right. made that even if he would set up uh, not going with them categorically, probably for some reason. Um, 
So I think it's a mistake on their end if they're going to do that again, and most likely will. Um, at least for the campaign part of. Uh, so you, you started off saying that the issues today are really very. They're, they're really not about the politics themselves, but rather about the personalities. I think there still are because I think that it really comes down to those people that feel that Netanyahu has done his part and should not be reelected for various reasons. Uh, whether it is the uh, just, I, well, they don't like him as a person. <laughs> that happens, right? right. Uh, which is fine. You can like someone or not. Uh, some people that do have an issue with uh, the legal uh, proceedings that are uh, encompassing his life um, or the way he handles it. Uh, and then those that think, you know, that he has been a great leader uh, for Israel uh, for whatever reason that they believe that. Um, so I think it will come again down to, okay, do we want him or do we don't want him? And that's how some people are going to vote. So if we pretend like mm -hmm. the BB thing is not the main issue, what are, can we go through some of the parties and what they're basically saying, that, that what they're promising? Like what, for example, I know um, uh, Abu Dhabi mm -hmm. basically said something about I'll have public transportation open on Shabbat. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if that was part of her campaign messaging or not. Well, it's part of a blanket statement that she did, but you know, when you then actually talk to her or Abu Dhabi in more detail, it is very clear that that's exactly what's happening. By the way, today in the municipalities that are fairly or mostly secular, like Ramat Gan in Tel Aviv. But there is a bus from Ramat Gan to Tel Aviv on Shabbat. Oh, there is? Yeah, there I is. Thought, thought and it the takes the same bus lanes like the others. And uh, you can do that. And they go to Petach Tikva, and they go to Herzliya, and they, you know, they do these things. But it's the municipalities organizing them, and not the federal government. Or the state government, not federal. Do you think it should be, I mean, honestly, my gut reaction was that, why is this a federal issue? It really should be a municipal issue. So it's a, it's a very good question. And the question then is, where should the funding come from? Well, it's all about funding at the end of the day. Right? So um, I think as a campaign issue, it's a great issue because it impacts those people living in the periphery of major cities and or away from the beach. Which, <laughs> yeah, it's weird, yeah. but it's a recreational asset Israel has that if you live far from it, which is a couple of kilometers already, way uh, it's not accessible to you on the one day off in the week but uh, you can't take if you don't have a car then you have to take a car and that's you know it's again an issue uh, if you have one if you can drive if you have enough room for your family and all these kind of things and why wouldn't it be accessible to everyone um, and it doesn't impact it doesn't have it doesn't have a direct negative impact on a religious community that would say okay we don't want it so don't have it. The same way you have public transportation in New York, or the same way you have transportation in any other place, really, right. uh, going on the weekends and not. Um, so why wouldn't it be? And then you, the municipalities would have had to decide whether they are wanted for their own city. Well, it makes sense. They would understand their constituencies better right. than, let's say, the federal government doing a blanket statement. Like, I don't know, someone, I think they said the light rail, right? They had the light rail going through right. Tel Aviv. I was like, okay, we'll have a light rail to go to Tel Aviv. But probably skip the stops or maybe stop the light rail before you go to Bnei Barak. Yeah. Uh, I think that might be a nice idea. Don't force the, the light rail to go through Bnei Barak. Yeah, it just seems like a bad situation. Now yeah, on one hand, yes and no. But right? you're cutting and off the other side. You're probably cutting you, off Petah Tikva. And you're cutting off the people in Bnei Barak that are secular. It's true. But you can imagine that Bnei Brak as a municipality might... Uh, yeah, they might, and they, when they decide to do that, that's, you know, obviously they can do that. That's why you, yeah. And then you would stop on the, on the outskirts of Bnei Brak, which, you know, I mean, it's, everything is very compact here. Right, it's not So even far. if you have to then probably walk... 15 little, minutes. Yeah, <laughs> to the end of Bnei Brak, uh, you could probably do it. Um, I think access to public transportation is, is an issue that should be regulated and financed. Um, by federal, by the national government. Okay. Um, and the municipalities have then to decide whether they want that for their own people. 
uh, or live citizen residents residents right yeah. um i want to i want to dig into that hmm. but not right now because i want to yeah. jump to let's say there's, there's throw at another party or maybe there's, there's another party i mean or maybe uh, more on avoda if you think there's another thing that they're pushing that well, Avoda also, I guess, pushes more of uh, a stance, even though it's more quieter, but then it's, again, an engagement with the Palestinians, obviously in leadership, rather. Um, there is something about that. There is, uh, which the right spectrum, I think, probably right of Lapid, really. Even though right of guns, even. I think if you put guns right of Lapid, which is a difficult one, I guess, there's smack <laughs> in the middle. Um, they do less talk about and less do. Uh, it is an it is an issue that has become quieter over the past years. But now, Lapid has raised it again. Gantz had actually raised it again because he's actually the one person that is probably the most involved with the Palestinian realities. Uh, the, the Israeli that is most involved with it right now in the security coordination right. um, with the Palestinian Authority. So he's really engaged in that. Which is good, which is important for Israel's security. And at the end of the day, there's a very large population with a relative, relatively large part that is quite aggressive towards Israel. Right. right. So um, it has to be engaged and can't just be shoved yep. off. Agreed. Um, so um, that is an issue that the labor really is pushing social issues, social equality issues, are much more on the labor part even though it impacts the Likud constituency just as or even more so than the labor probably right because when you look at where labor uh, gets their votes from it's probably the place that a little better off than they yeah. could right right in relation so actually there it would have been a much bigger input the Likud party is not talking about it that much right. uh, same with taxation uh, monopolies uh, gas exploration and others and environmental issues are an issue of the left completely. Merit and Avoda. Avoda particularly, I think. And they try to draw a younger crowd with it. I think that's uh, one of the campaign ideas. But it's exclusively an issue of the left, even though it has a major impact on everyone living in Israel. Right. So these are issues that are neglected completely, I think, uh, on, the, uh, on the other hand. And then again, you know, with educational issues, this government actually made a huge reform in the payment of teachers in the state of Israel. I think it's a great win for teachers and in the long term, probably for the educational system in Israel. Uh, what was the, what was the having change? teachers paid much more, much more, and in addition, and including other perks, um, will bring about probably better teachers at some point right. because people that have the skill were deterred by a really low relatively low uh, salary because with their talents, I guess, they could do something else and get much paid much better. Okay. Topics for other days, transportation, education. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Education is a big one, but it was, I think it was a big win uh, for the uh, for Israel, actually. And Avigdor uh, Lieberman, I think, did a great job negotiating it and making it a re reality, also a fiscal reality. Right. right, because the, there's always great things you can dream about and say about, you know, how much you want to pay someone and how much you have to invest. But at the end of the day, a nation has a or a state has a budget, and you have to deal with that budget and work with it. Um, and you can't just ruin a country by printing money constantly. Um, <laughs> I and, can't believe I, I can't imagine what you're referring to. Yeah, and then you know, hope that the next generations will figure this out at some point or strike gold maybe. Um, not, know, not if we stop the digging. Not okay. if we stop the digging, exactly. <laughs> so we found some gas right there, right? But anyway, another major win probably for this government at least is to have an actual agreement about borders with another... Maritime borders? With another Arab country. Yeah. Huge win. We haven't had an agreement with an Arab country about borders since Jordan. Right? It's so, really interesting. I didn't think about it that in those terms. A, uh, it's actually fairly historic, even though it's only part of the northern border. Um, it is one. Uh, it defines Israel. It's a definition of the state of Israel. I think it's. Uh, I think it's a major accomplishment. Uh, would have happened with another government, maybe, maybe not. You know, can't know. Right. Um, We're not playing what if games here. No, exactly. <laughs> so, 
So I let's, let's, let's go towards uh, Yeshatid. Yeshatid. Right? Yeah, Lapid. Uh, leading the government. He has been quite silent in terms of campaigning over the past month, even. Um, most people say because he wanted to prove to the Israeli people that he's not concerned with yes, himself, yes. but by leading the country and he's doing a great job. Yeah. Uh, I got to say that, I mean, from the news that I have been reading, that there have been really interesting things, like you just mentioned, like the maritime borders uh, that came out. It, I, it's very impressive to see. And also yeah. see how Lapid stood up against uh, Australia yeah. recently and uh, a few other instances. But I think he's doing actually a very a great job. There are issues with increased, uh, you know, the, the rise in food costs for Israelis and other costs, which are unrelated to this government uh, because they're just a worldwide trend of everything right. being more expensive, uh, giving shortages left and right. Uh, shortages that can be avoided or couldn't be avoided, whatever, you know, you're, I guess your economic standards. But, um, but they impact the street directly. I mean, if your cottage cheese goes up 25% uh, or 20%, even though that might only be a couple of agurot, right? right. Um, the number of is higher. It makes an impact. Yeah, because people are living, you know, you know how it is in Israel, living from paycheck to paycheck, and if they're lucky, they come up with a zero. Right. Um, so uh, that makes an impact, and it's bad for the campaign. Um, he could not have avoided it. I think there are some things that government could have subsidized, like energy, like they do in many other countries. Would have been great for the campaign. Would have been bad for the Israeli economy right. and economic growth in the future. So it really, in my opinion, was a trade-off in saying, okay, we have to be responsible to our uh, economic growth and uh, in, over, in overall and deal with the increased prices in energy and other things um, more specifically then, instead of giving subsidies. It's a tough call. Uh, we don't wish it on anyone, but the opposition obviously is exploiting it. As they should in a political game. Right. Um, so, Yeshatid, where does it stand, right? It stands right. for most issues, I think, smack in the middle of the Israeli society. I think they are, in terms of Jerusalem and Yudhav Shomron, they're probably more on the right end, meaning that they consider all of Jerusalem to be the eternal and undivided capital of Israel. Um, refer to Yudhir and Shamron as Yudhir and Shamron and not the West Bank in English, right? right. Uh, which makes a difference in terms of uh, thinking. Mm -hmm. because, uh, um, on the other hand, they mostly believe that there has to be a two-state solution oh, as the only viable option for the long-term security of the state of Israel as a Jewish and democratic country. Right. Uh, it's always a long sentence. You know, mm -hmm. to say the future of the security of the state of Israel as a Jewish and democratic country, but that's what it's about. Right. It's about being true to the founding idea of the state, uh, which one nation's uh, state of uh, one state solution is not. Right. In any way. Um, and it's obvious because either you give civil, complete civil rights to the population that lives under your control. And then you won't be Jewish for a long time. You might right. have a couple more years, but they're not. Or you don't, and then you're not democratic. Right. And so there is an issue here. Um, so it's very careful, right? So that's why the Israeli legal system also is always so cautious about declaring something occupied territories and not declaring occupied territories because it's a different legal entity. Right. I started um, seeing the term occupied people as opposed to territory. And it's, it's interesting because I assume that comes along with the general American trend, right? I think that's something that is more on the, uh, well, used to be on the socialist side of things, right? To forget about the state because it doesn't, it doesn't work anymore so much. Well, I, I, I actually saw it in the context of, like, this is our land. We're not disputing that, but these people are clearly living here under a government that is you know not support not necessarily supporting them and also not representing them. not representing them supporting um, is one thing uh, supporting is not the right word. representing is the right word 
um, and also that they don't want to be part of, um, which is another piece of. So it's less about the land and more about the people living there. Which is an interesting term, but it's not a term of the Palestinian realities because they clearly talk about yeah, that's it. That's from it. the river to the sea. Oh, yes, they do. It's, it's definitely not it's very land specific, right? Yes. It's like we talk about Eretz Israel. Right. Uh, even though we I must say that we already gave up the East Bank. Right? That would right. be a classic. Uh, uh, so my, right wing. Yes, uh, Israeli I'm right very wing. familiar with the Rakach right. uh, logo that used to have uh, Israel and the Transjordan. At least together. part of it. Yeah. yeah and all together in one. Uh, icon yeah uh, you know you can make that argument if you make the biblical argument if that's that your argument there was a two-state solution already in 1948 yeah there was one and there's one now too which many of the right end of liquid will tell you that right. jordan actually is the palestinian state but uh giving that the majority of the population is. right which is you. a bad argument because and soon this will happen here too um so it's right. not someone you should, something you should do so let's let's jump a little bit more let's go to yeah blue and white Blue and white. I mean, you know, they they're pushing the the that they are so great in defense. You know, all these general issues. But on the other hand, they're just as Yeshati. They're really on the platform. If they really have one, it's no different. They don't dive into things like social justice. They don't dive into environmental issues. They don't dive into civil issues. The only parties that really do that are Reshatid, Avoda, Meretz, and Likud. Does it in their own way. Okay, um, so that's interesting. It's a, it's a, blue and white is a party about defense, strong Israel, and strong leadership. It's a, it's an anti-BB party. Is that what you're trying I'm to not, say? No, it's a leadership no? party. It's a thing uh, they say. No, we are good in leading. We've done this in the army. Stayed still around, doing well. Defense is good. We can do it. Um, but the content is, I think, it's missing. There's nothing other than follow me. Um, which is also, I think that's their logo, their logo. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's exactly the logo and it's exactly the party. So if you believe he's a, you know, there is something to be said about the prime minister being a good manager, right? Because at the end of the day, you're supposed to manage a couple of ministers that are about to manage officers. Um, if that's your definition of a prime minister, um, you also have to be a good statesman, not just a manager. Well, that's what we have a president for. <laughs> <laughs> but a good prime minister would be good as well. Yes. Um, so I, that's really hard to talk about because I think they, they don't have really a... Uh, they don't have a very particular stance on anything right. besides the security issues, which are clear. You know, Israeli defense first. Uh, I think they're very similar to Yeshatit in terms of uh, Yudu and Shamron in Jerusalem. I don't think they see, they have a different stance there. Um, which in parts of the Likud, at least the Likud of today, is probably very different. Right. The Likud back in the day was also more open to negotiation, I think, at least under Sharon Olmert kind of Likud, Meridor. Right. Um, they all then left and formed Kadima, right, at some point. But um, because they could not identify with their own constituency anymore. Um, and then BB uh, stayed on uh, and took over. So before we get to we could, we should mention uh, Lieberman's party, just because yeah. my dad would you know, Good. be upset at me if I didn't. That's <laughs> um, a very important party, I think. Mm -hmm. It has been uh, the tiebreaker in some way. The kingmaker. The kingmaker. Well, you can <laughs> say that of everyone in the coalition. <laughs> right. um, even though... He has his, uh, Lieberman has his clear stance about not with the ultra-Orthodox, right. um, which serves his constituency as a right. campaign, right? Because many of his constituency have a distinct issue with the religious legislation in this country, yeah. or religious-based legislation. That's why my dad likes to vote for him. So I think he did a good job. Um, That's fine. It's been you know, we, it, yeah. we can't forget that all these people uh, like Bennett and also Lieberman, and uh, if it was Livni or whoever it was, they came all over the could. Right. So. Well, that's why they say there's no left in the country because all you know. All, uh, every party every is party formally could. It's formally could, yeah. and it's 
right. except labor, right? And there, uh, Yeshatid also not. I mean, uh, obviously, um, Lapid has not come out of the liquid. Sure. Um, so, uh, and the generals haven't either. <laughs> the generals. Uh, <laughs> strange. Always, uh, it's always a strange thing, you know, but uh, it's part of Israeli reality forever, right? Right. Since the founding, we are fond of these kind of personalities. Um, but his party um, represents the uh, former Soviet sector, more or less, most for the most part, as a major part of its constituency, Russian speaking, um, which includes Ukrainians and Russians right. um, and others. Um, even today. Um, and he's just very strong on pushing the more secular issues in Israel and secularization of, uh, of the Israeli, entire Israeli system, uh, which makes a lot of sense. And many, right. I think that's where he sees eye to eye with Meretz. Uh, they so won't see eye to eye and things of civil liberties for certain parts of populations or regarding the regard for, let's say, the Israeli Arab societies, the Muslim Israeli Arab society. Um, Avigdor Lieberman once thought about, and I assume still does, about population transfer. When it comes to an uh, actual agreement with the Palestinian Authority, why wouldn't we transfer a couple of million or a million of Israeli Muslim Arabs over to the Palestinian Authority and take, you know, in compensation for the Jews that live in and other places um, because you know we just transfer the people and that's it. Uh, or it's build enclaves yeah those houses are fungible <laughs> exactly <laughs> good word um, so Meretz would see that different but they do see <laughs> eye to eye on the secular secularization issue um, he has been a very stable finance minister yes uh, very calm hand in a stormy time um, so I think it's done a good job. I, you know, to see how Israel is faring compared to the rest of the world right now, it's actually, I would say, stable is a, putting it lightly. I think he's yeah. actually did a really incredible job. Exactly. Considering... It just won't help him in an election campaign. Because no one, yeah, no one that, understands that. You told me the story about uh, when you were in a cab. Maybe you should tell the story because I wasn't <laughs> in the cab. <laughs> you were talking to the cab driver and what he said. Oh, with the, with the gas prices. And yeah. The, yeah. Well, it's exactly that. You know, you have no... There's well, the things that the street understands, and there's... Uh, repeat, repeat the story, maybe. Now I have to remember all of the story. That's not, I mean, it was much longer than that. I, I'd say it's like, oh, the government is something, something, but you know what? who I really hate? I really hate the finance minister. Exactly. Why do you hate the finance minister? Because the gas prices are going to go. Exactly. It's like, that has nothing to do with what he has to do. Yeah. And it's like, what are you talking about? He could control it. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's exactly the problem. So it's always, the finance minister is always a job like that. Never. It doesn't matter where you are. No, you're not, not going to get you know, applause for what you're doing, because most people will say the taxes are too high. Right. All right. Yeah. Maintaining status quo, as difficult as that is, or even improving a little bit, you're still going to get pointed out all the things that are not, that are no, not good. Not good. Yeah. Um, and, you know, usually then prime ministers and transportation ministers and educational ministers and uh, health minister of health, they're going to take the, the photo op when something happens that, was you know hammered through on the finance side in the first place i mean you know you have to it's actually in terms of government probably the most important ministry because that's where everything is decided is there funding or is there no funding right um, so it can't be underestimated how important that is and we really need good people there and i hope the next one will be at least as good as lieberman was or is right now um Obviously, there's more to it than just the minister. There's a lot of staff, right? Professional staff that actually right. does a lot of the work, but the minister is really a hand in there. Um, so that's that's Lieberman. I think, like I said, he's uh, very clearly against the Orthodox. I don't think he will go with Bibi, if he should. Uh, I think they have, a, even though he was his chief of staff for many years, uh, I think they don't have a, that great of a personal relationship that will actually is that bad that they won't actually go together, even if it would be right. uh, good for both of them, maybe, possibly. Um, and then there's the overarching issue about Likud without Bibi. 
which is still a possibility right. in this election campaign. So let's talk about we could for a second. So is we yeah. could campaigning anything in the like posit in the po uh, positive meaning I am will do something, or are they saying vote for me because I'm not everyone else? No, the campaign is I did such a great job, and everyone else is a traitor and wants to coup um, Netanyahu. Um, but they're not positively talking about anything. I mean, they claim that, you know, the prices of the food wouldn't have gone up if Likud would have been in the government and the gas prices wouldn't have gone up if the Likud would have been in the government, which obviously is nonsense because it has very little to do with what Israel does. And even though the Likud governments in the past have spent a lot of, lot of money that the state of Israel did not have, um, which is although, not a very right-wing uh, fiscal policy. Not in American terms, right? I guess. Yeah. It's, no, fiscal responsibility wasn't great um, on that end. Uh, and so he might have just continued, but obviously it was unsustainable, seeing that the educational system collapsed more or less under Likud and was only salvaged now after a couple of years of non-Likud government. Um, same with the healthcare system also was on the verge of collapse pre-corona, pre-corona. Right. Uh, and then during corona, it actually, I mean, if you ask, talk about uh, the doctors and the interns, they were all striking and they're all striking right now also, the interns, uh, because of the conditions they were mm. over decades led to. Um, you know, change in, in governments doesn't happen over a year. Well, here it does. No, well, you know, the changing the, of the government happens. Yeah, right? the changing of the government, <laughs> in, but not of the system, right? So you, you right. put something in motion and it takes a couple of years. Uh, it's like Hitler claiming that he built the Autobahn. I mean, it just happened to finish then, right? Um, I'm not familiar with that <laughs> specific one, but I, yeah, I could surmise what happened. Uh, but it's pretty much like that. You know, these processes that take a lot of time to be implemented. Same will be true for the educational system. You know, these teachers... They were, next year will start getting better payment. At that time, there might be a different government, and then the new minister will say, you see, I've made it for you. You get paid more. But you haven't, because it was actually the last government that did it. But you just happened to be there in the right time. Um, so Likud right now is just, you know, doing the basic uh, opposition talk. And, you know, that's what oppositions in many, many countries do. They talk about pipe dreams and how bad the other one is. Um, so let's, I think we have just to finish off the religious parties, just the religious and parties, the Arab parties and the far, like far right parties, I guess. I think the religious parties, uh, ultra Orthodox parties, that is, uh, have right. been very consistent. They'll join the coalition if they get the funding for the yeshivas and programs and yeah, and transportation yes. and other social things. Uh, you know, there are a lot of social benefits they do get. Um, Army exclusion, for instance. Um, you know, there's certain money you get for the fourth and fifth child, which is something that is obviously very particular to this kind of community rather than the, reg the regular community. Right. Um, and all kinds of other things. Um, you know, they're a very specific need and they're addressing it. Right. I think they made the mistake of claiming last times around that they will only go with Netanyahu. Not even they could. It was very specific about Netanyahu. Um, and then uh, we did not talk so much about the so-called national Zionist religious uh, Ben Gvir and Smutrich. Yeah, that's... it's. Uh, I have I have major issues there, but uh, and they're going to be for a fight for their lives, and they are already. You see how much they are already talking against Likud in many ways because they want to draw votes to themselves or not lose them to them. Uh, I think they're also fighting about it. I think it will be as close as it has been the last times around. And it comes down to convincing the Arab sector. And that's why the Pete now the two interviews in the Arab press, um, very good ones actually, to mobilize them to go vote, not for him, but for their own parties right. representing them so that the majority will not automatically go to the Likud because in a couple of thousands of people going to vote will make the difference. It will be that close again. What percentage of the population votes, Jewish and Arab? I think we're at 68% in total. Of, of legible voters? Yeah. That's Very, really low. Last time around, yeah. It was, I think, at 72. 
but you know, people are fatigued because they voted now. They're going to vote now the fifth times around. It's going to look very similar to what it has been before, and it really comes down to the day. I mean, you know, good day. People go vote. Great. People don't go vote. If it's raining. Forget it. Raining rain would be bad. Right. I mean, how are we going to do our barbecue? Right. Um, but November first, it's going to be a fun day. November second. Less we fun know. or more fun? <laughs> Depends on what uh, outcome you wish for. Do you, Do you want to share who you're leaning towards? Uh, you're uh, yeah, I'm actually leaning either to Lapid or the Avoda this time around. All right, I'm thinking Lapid or Gans. I I gotta mm. say I I do traditionally always fell to the right, but it's again I don't know what that means here, and obviously there's a lot of things that like call, call themselves right here that I find very questionable and the things that call themselves think, left here that I find very reasonable. Yeah, I think um, uh, Yeshatid is probably a fairly conservative party in American terms. Right. It's so interesting. Um, yeah. And I feel like I should reward a government that has done a good job. Yeah, I, I did. I actually, I, I thought the unity government was doing a really good job. I, I like the idea that it was representing such a different, mm -hmm. such a wide variety of Israeli society. Right. Um, it was shocking to see how it fell apart, what it looked like, what looked like bribes. I guess it wasn't technically bribes. Exactly. But offering, not technically. Not technically, but offering someone a job that pays a lot of money uh, <laughs> for. For yeah. Yeah, it, it just seems it's just a little, it's a little shocking. It was, uh, <laughs> and we didn't even talk about the judiciary movements, but you know, it's the impact it has on the yeah. judicial system in the future if the government changes. Yeah. There's a, there's a few different topics I would love to deep dive in, but um, hmm. yeah, thank you. Oh, I'm super excited. And you know, for everyone that is listening, go vote. Go vote. And if you're not a citizen yet, then you have another step to do. Megalia. Yeah. <laughs>